Welcome to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander on News Radio 680 WPTF. Good Saturday morning to you. Jason Kong here along with Bill Alexander. Bill, how are you? Ah, good morning, Jason. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Uh, you looks like you survived tax day. You look like you're intact. This is good. Well, I'm alive and well, so I have a lot to be grateful for. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, it's interesting uh, how we, we get a, an extra day or so sometimes to get our taxes in or our, our extensions in. You know, we talked about that uh, uh, last week as well. But um, it is it is an important day for us as Americans. You know, we have the, the um, opportunity and the obligation to – pay our taxes so our government uh, can run and all that good stuff so yep the bill yeah. is due well bill let's get into our main topic today and <laughs> we want to uh talk a little bit about gifting well yeah it's just the opposite of paying taxes. right you know, <laughs> tax is an obligation um but uh, it, you know we all love to receive gifts um that's uh, you know it's obviously something it's a time that makes Christmas special to a lot of folks. Uh, and uh, gifting is an important topic for us to discuss. And and truthfully, there's a lot of things about gifting that are important to us. Um, it, you know, if you get right down to it, uh, sometimes uh, being the giver rather than the receiver is uh, one of the most wonderful things that we can do. It, it certainly makes us feel better about ourselves um, in order to be able to make gifts, particularly when the the gifts are are needed. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when we make gifts to charity and to you know, it's just like we. This past week, we had uh, devastating tornadoes uh, in the Greensboro area, and um, you know we've had uh, lots of very sad situations. Uh, not only, well, I mean Puerto Rico is a great example. People are still there without power. I mean, it, it just blows your mind in terms of the needs that are there, but. Uh, you, you know, typically uh, the the biggest gifts that we make, and I and I'm I'm not talking about gifts of our time. I'm talking about gifts of our money. Um, are with our children and grandchildren. I mean, there are a very few parents that if a child was in true need, that wouldn't give your right arm to make sure that your child or grandchild uh, gets what they truly need. But, you know, as we get older, as we become seniors, I think it's it's really important for us to distinguish between uh, our children's needs and their wants. <laughs> and, and it also we need to be able to take into um, consideration – what got them to the place where they had a need because, you know, truthfully, if they go out and spend all their money recklessly uh, and, and they don't take our advice and they just do what they think they want to do and then, uh, uh-oh, now they don't have enough money to live the way they want to live, is is that something that we should actually buy into and help them out? 
And the truth is sometimes the, the most help we can give our children or grandchildren is not to help them. You know, make yep. them get up on their butt, <laughs> you know, pull their own pants up. Uh, but, you know, the, the, the truth is that as we uh, get uh, – as we become seniors, then we actually need to be a much more careful about how gifts are given and who we give them to because um, it, it can create problems for us that we do not anticipate. And, and even though – we feel like we have sufficient means to make gifts and we want to see the joy in our children and grandchildren when they receive a gift. We still need to make – we need to be careful about that. So I wanted to talk today about some of the myths that relate to giving uh, and some of the tax consequences when it comes to giving because a lot of folks don't realize that and I'm not talking about gift tax uh, the very few of us that would ever have to worry about uh, uh, even having to file a gift tax return but virtually no no one has to pay a gift tax even if they file a gift tax return so it's uh, and we can talk about that but that's not what I'm really talking about, but the gifts can come with significant tax consequences that we don't anticipate. And I think it's important for folks to understand how that works as well. Yeah, well, we'll uh, dive into that in just a bit. Stick around. You're listening to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander. You can always find more about Bill at WGALaw.com. That's WGALaw.com. You're listening to News Radio 680 WPTF. You're listening to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander on News Radio 680 WPTF. Jason Kong here with Bill Alexander. And this uh, this morning we're talking all about gifting, Bill. And you, you said something that tripped me up before the break. You said that this is something different from the gift tax. So uh, can you explain well, that for me? Well, sure. Uh, I mean, first of all, let, let's talk about the gift tax and how it works. There uh, is a United States federal gift tax. Um, uh, that is, there's um, – and it, it's primarily for wealthy folks so that they don't avoid paying a state tax. I mean that's really what it's there for. And, and typically the gift tax exemption and the estate tax exemption, lifetime exemptions, uh, are the, uh, the same amount. And uh, okay, so how? What's the lifetime exemption for gift tax and estate tax? Well, it's just under eleven point two million dollars. So if you don't have any intention of giving away all eleven million dollars you have in the bank, then you don't have. You know, even if you had eleven million to give away and you gave it all away this year. Uh, there would be – you'd have to file a gift tax return, but you would not have to pay any tax. And that 11 – just under $11.2 million is each person, each one of us has that much exemption. Now, yes, in eight years, that amount will uh, be reduced by half. So then we can only – you know, eight years from now or seven and a half years from now, we'll only have $5.6 million to give away. That's, okay, that's that cut. affects a whole bunch of us, doesn't it? <laughs> Okay, so 
All right. And then the rule that most of us know about is the fact that uh, – and it just changed this year. We can actually – and this is – the rule that actually applies to the rest of us. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and that is that we can give uh, away each year up to $15,000 per person. Now, th- now, that doesn't include charity. We can give, you know, as much as we want to to charity. But in terms of maybe gifts to our friends, gifts to our, our children, gifts to our grandchildren or great grandchildren, we're limited to $15,000 each year, but that limit means we're not using any of our lifetime exemption. It simply means we could give a grandchild $15,000 and not have to file a gift tax return. So the $15,000 annual um, uh, exemption, it, it basically it is the point in which we either file a gift tax return or we don't have to file a gift tax return. And of course, if you don't file if you don't have to file a gift tax return uh, because you gave away less than $15,000 to any one person, then you're not using any of your lifetime exemption. So, the bottom line is that for I mean, how many of us make $15,000 gifts to any one person, you know. In other words, that basically means if you have a daughter that you make a gift to, um, and you're single, in other words, you're a widow or widower, then you can give $15,000 and not file a gift tax. Now, if you're married, you and your spouse together can actually give your daughter $30,000 and not have to file a gift tax. And if you're married and your daughter is married, you can actually give her $60,000 together uh, and not file a gift tax return. Now, you know, these numbers seem so high, uh, I mean, because they are. I mean, Mm -hmm. how many of us have the ability to make those kind of gifts? Well, there are very few of us that uh, uh, do that. So – um, the the bottom line is gift tax is not a key thing. Now, there are very few people that make these kind of significant gifts unless there's a reason for it. I, I mean, uh, I mean, yeah, I know there are a lot of generous people out there. And I'm again, I'm not talking about charity. Let's say that you have a big heart and you give $50,000 to a charity or a, a disaster relief fund or to your church or synagogue or – you know, the bottom line is I'm not talking about those kind of gifts. Those, those gifts are no problem. You mm-hmm. get a tax deduction uh, depending on circumstances and that sort of thing. But I'm talking about you know gifts to people. And, the you know, the $15,000 rule is per person. So if I have four kids and I want to give 15000 to each child, I, I can do that without a gift tax return. So got a lot of – Lot, lot of play in there. <laughs> no problemo. Okay, so what tax am I really talking about? And you know, there uh, there are folks out there that because they're concerned about government assistance and they think it'll actually be better for them that they'll get their assistance if they need it that that they need to give the house away give the farm away give sometimes it's securities away or things like that and the key here 
is that it's very dangerous to give away any kind of property that has uh, a long-term appreciation. In other words, typically these are the things that are most precious to us because we've held them for a long time and they're worth a lot of money. Uh, and we want to protect them. So that's why I'm talking about this. This is a show for asset protection. <laughs> and nobody uh, wants to give people unnecessary taxes. And it's uh, wh- what it boils down to is if we make a gift the wrong way, then we are giving our child or grandchild, the person receiving the gift – we're giving them capital gains tax that they would not have to pay if the gift is not given or if the gift is structured differently. And that's the key. And so let, let me give you um, an a easy example. And, and now the asset that we're giving away, could it could be – uh, you know, let's say we acquired Microsoft stock um, 25 years ago when it was, uh, you know, just a fledgling company, mm-hmm. and now uh, it's worth a thousand times more than what we paid for it. And so, um, you know, we pay, let's just say we paid a thousand dollars for our Microsoft stock, and so now it's worth a million dollars. Okay. Or another example is let's say we, um, you know, back uh, 40 years ago, we paid $15,000 for a home uh, inside the Beltline, and now that home is worth, um, you know, could be a million dollars. I mean, there are lots of uh, really nice, um, uh, lots of real estate that are very, very valuable. So, I mean, you can take either example. Or let's say that we have. A uh, hundred-acre farm, uh, you, you know, out in Nightdale or Zebulon or somewhere, um, you know, could easily be worth uh, a million or two million or even three million dollars. And let's say we inherited that farm forty years ago. Well, in each case, these are highly appreciated properties. Okay. Now here's here's the key thing. If I give a, that gift of Microsoft stock or the home or the farm to a child in order to protect that so I can get assistance or for any reason whatsoever, I just want you to have it, um, what I've just given you is my very, very low basis in the property that you cannot change. In other words, if my basis in the property is $1,000 or $15,000 or I inherited it 40 years ago and back then the farm was worth $20,000, but due to wonderful circumstances, it's now worth a whole lot more, everything in between what we acquired the property for and what it's worth today is called a capital gain. And when that property is sold, then we have to pay what's called a capital gains tax. Now, the good news is the maximum capital gains tax, long-term capital gain, is 20%. And then we have state income tax on top of that. Uh, But 20% isn't too bad, but – 20 – let's just say that the state income tax is 5 percent 
it could be more, obviously, but let's just say five. That's 25%, right? Well, there's a big difference between paying 25% tax in and not paying any tax in. That That's the point. So the bottom line is if my child inherits or if the gift is structured properly – and you can structure things like this through irrevocable trust. You can structure things like this uh, other ways as well. But if it's structured properly, then the child gets what's called a step-up in income tax basis at my death. And that means that they don't pay any ca- – if they were to sell that property soon after they acquired it, there'd be no income tax at all. Now, if I give it to them – Let's just say I give it to them three months before I die because I want to see the the, the sparkle in their eye, you know, <laughs> and I want to make sure that they get it. And I give it to them three months before I die, and so it's theirs, and I die. Um, now they sell it, you know, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm in the ground, and they sell it. They, they're going to have to pay that 25% of all of the gain in that property. My death doesn't do anything to help them at all in terms of the tax structure. So it's a huge difference. You know, if you have a $100,000 gain, that's $25,000 that they're having to pay unnecessarily because of bad planning on your part. Yep. So, yeah, you know, there's – what I'm getting at is there are a lot of good planning ways to structure – gifts that a lot of folks, they don't seek the advice. Uh, now, they'll get the same advice from the CPA as they would from a good estate planning attorney in terms – they may not – CPAs may, may not understand how to structure a gift to accomplish your goals, but they certainly understand the tax ramifications if you do it wrong. Um, so it's, it's it, particularly if anyone's contemplating a big gift, they really need to seek counsel to make sure that it is uh, done in a way that's, uh, that not only accomplishes your goals, but it also, uh, um, does not do harm as it relates to your children or grandchildren. And paying taxes unnecessarily to me is doing harm. Yeah. <laughs> and if you need some help with that or some advice, or want to, let you know that you can get a hold of Bill online at WGALaw.com. That's WGALaw.com. Or give him a call in the office, 919-256-7000. That's 919-256-7000. A quick break and back with more Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander on News Radio 680 WPTF. News Radio 680 WPTF. This is Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander. I am Jason Kong. Thank you so much for joining us on this Saturday morning. Uh, we're talking all about gifting. And real quick, just want to remind you, if you hear anything that you have questions about, get a hold of Bill at 919-256-7000. That's 919-256-7000 or online at Law. And, Bill, uh, as I said, we're talking all about gifting, and we just went over the uh, the implications of the capital gains tax. Is that the only thing that uh, seniors need to be aware of? No, a- absolutely not. Uh, that's just one important factor. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the, and uh, now at this point, I need to talk to seniors um, 
and I need to exclude a few, but the truth is that I'll be talking to most of the folks out there. All right, when it comes to gifting, and and here it is, you know, to the degree that you're ex, what I call wealthy. In other words, that's way beyond just having a wonderful nest egg. All right, and that basically means uh, someone that that doesn't have to worry about ever have to worry about running out of money. Or having to even worry about the outrageous costs of, of long-term care if they should need a nursing home or assisted living or to have somebody come into the home 24-7. In other words, they can afford it. You know, not a problem. Well, truthfully, that's a very small percentage of us um, uh, in terms of folks who can actually afford that kind of, of uh, money out of pocket. So, but I'm excluding those in terms of the folks who I'm talking to. The the other group that I would exclude from what I want to talk about are the folks that have really good long term care insurance. Um, now, I'm an advocate for long term care insurance, but the problem is is that most of us don't have it. Why don't we have it? Most of us procrastinated too long. And once we really got serious about, you know, maybe I should get it, it was too darn late because, number one, we were either uh, not insurable anymore because, you know, uh-oh, we got – you know, we're pre-diabetic or uh-oh, we've had a heart attack or we've had a mini stroke or we've had a cancer scare or, um, you know, a myriad of other things where we're either not insurable or – um, um, we're highly rated so that, in other words, they'll give us the insurance, but they're going to charge us three times more than they would otherwise charge. Well, heck, we can't afford it to begin with, even if we're perfectly healthy. So how in the heck are we going to afford it <laughs> if we're rated badly? So the bottom line is, is that most of us have waited too long to get the long-term care insurance that we all know that we should have. Okay. <laughs> so, you know, I'm telling folks even in their 40s and 50, early 50s that that's really the best time to acquire long-term care insurance. And uh, truth is, most people in the 40s, it's not even on their radar screen, let alone – it's only going to be on their radar if, if their parents tell them, you know, I screwed up. I didn't get it. Mm-hmm. You, We need to make sure you get it right now. Uh, <laughs> that's, wh- that's where the conversation really uh, needs to take place uh, because – it's going to be even more important in the future. All right, so we're talking about gifting, and we're, ta- we're I'm talking to all those seniors that don't have good long-term care insurance, and they're not wealthy. So what are our concerns? Number one, um, we're, we are and should be concerned about may we run out of money during our lifetime. And the truth is that we're living longer and longer. And, you know, when we started saving uh, for retirement way back when, hopefully, um, we may not have been thinking that we might live to be 100. <laughs> you know, we might have been thinking that we probably would be lucky to live to 75. And the fact of the matter is most of us, uh, the great majority of us, if particularly if we're healthy at 65, it's likely that we're going to live into our 80s or 90s. 
And our children are likely to live any long, even longer, 90s and 100s. It's not going to be unusual uh, for uh, our grandchildren uh, to live uh, even up to 120 and beyond. And that's really scary when you think, how much money do I need to, to survive mm-hmm. to the age 120? And I put an asterisk, without being a burden on our family, without being a financial burden. So none of us want to run out of money. And uh, when we uh, figure out the cost of potential long-term care, it scares the pants off of us because it's so darn expensive. All right, so here's the point I really want to get to. There are, there, there are folks out there that think wrongly that if I give everything away, the government's going to take care of me. In other words, I'll be able to get all these government benefits. Wow. And the fact of the matter is that's just not true. Uh, you know, our safe, the safety net we have is broken. It doesn't work very well. I mean, it works to some degree if you know the system completely. But for instance, um, you're—I mean, there are very, very few seniors if they have nothing that the government will still give them assistance. Getting, for instance, Medicaid at home. You have to be totally impoverished, and that doesn't mean just no assets where you've given everything away. It means your income has to be dirt poor low as well, and most seniors have at least enough Social Security check every month to where they're not eligible for any of those programs. And and even though they might feel poor, (laughs) they're still not eligible for the program. And long-term care, the safety net, has a huge hole in it. And, for instance, the folks who need assisted living, uh, not nursing care, mm-hmm. but they, in other words, can't, they need help with activities of daily living. And that basically can be anything. Need help bathing, toileting, dressing, cooking, you know, uh, mobility issues, any of those things, which is very common as we get older. I mean, I'm talking about a lot older, but we become more frail as we get old, or at least most of us do. So the bottom line is, uh, if we, most of us have more social security than by itself, if we have no other income, even if we're destitute asset wise, Again, the government is not going to come forward and help us with assisted living. There are only very, very few people as a percentage that can get assistance for assisted living. Now, as folks who've listened to me very long knows that if you really need that extra level of care in in terms of nursing facility care – then yes, Medicaid uh, can help us at that point. But there are a lot of folks that will never go to nursing care because they'll stay in assisted living as, until they run out of money. And the fact of the matter is, is that most people who need long-term care will run out of money. And that comes back to the gifting issue. And there's another big deal for 
for those of us uh, who are parents and grandparents, um, and that is we don't want to be a burden on our family. We particularly don't want to be a financial burden on our children or grandchildren. And so if you make gifts poorly, you may end up being a burden on your children or grandchildren. And that's the point. And that's one one of the things why I say that I'm talking to the majority of seniors out there that should be very cautious about making any extraordinary gift to a child or grandchild once they get to an age where they have to worry about um, a, a long-term care issues. And you have to understand that there is a five-year look back for Medicaid. And what, what are they looking for? You know, people have heard about this long, long you know, um, look back period, but they have no clue what it's for, or what people are looking for. Well, what they're looking for primarily are gifts to your children and grandchildren. And they penalize those gifts. In other words, Anything other than a normal sweater at Christmas or birthdays or things like that are going to be sanctioned. And in other words, they're going to say, okay, while you might be impoverished, we have to penalize you for 25 months for the, because of these gifts to your children and grandchildren. So you're not going to get Medicaid for 25 months. And of course, that's a death sentence to most seniors. That, and this is why the, the gift that this gifting issue for the majority of seniors uh, needs to be carefully scrutinized. And and that's why I say that this is a time where you need to pull back on your generosity to your children and grandchildren. Yeah, that makes a ton of sense. And again, if you need more advice, you can go to WGALaw.com. That's WGALaw.com. And if you're in a situation similar to that, Bill, it might make sense to register for one of the free seminars, right? No question about it. Uh, that's where you can learn these things, and it's free. And and uh, we, we teach these rules every month, and it's so important to folks to really understand the dynamics of how – government assistance works and and how often it doesn't work for folks um and coming to the seminar basically gives people a, a really good understanding of of how this stuff works head over to wgalaw.com for more information a quick break and back with more asset protection today with attorney bill alexander on news radio 680 wptf Welcome back to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander on News Radio 680 WPTF. Jason Kong here with Bill Alexander. And Bill, we're talking all about gifting this morning, and we've gone over, man, a, a ton of items. Uh, we've, we've talked about the gift tax, we've talked about corporate gains tax, we've talked about uh just about everything but not quite because there's there's still more more things that we need to go over bill so where do we need to go next there are a lot of things and uh all right let's let's go with with someone um uh, and i see this frequently and it and it's uh i'm just trying to give folks direction on how to do things uh in their own best interest now now, for all those folks out there who think, well, dang, I don't like what this lawyer's saying. I know there's a way to beat the system. So I'm just going to go to the bank and get cash and do what the heck I want to with it. And if I want to give $100 to my grandchild, that's what I'm going to do. And nobody will know what it is because it's cash, right? 
wrong. That's the problem. And this is a this is something that I, again I'm talking to all of those seniors, the majority of seniors, excluding the ones that don't have to worry about long term care because they have long term care insurance or because they're extremely wealthy. And 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 when I say wealthy, I'm really talking about not just net worth. I'm talking about that they have the liquidity because there are a lot of wealthy folks that have no liquidity at all. And long-term care means you got to pay a lot of cash out to whoever's taking care of you. So liquidity is a big factor in the wealth thing too. So I'm even limiting even further. But so uh, does cash transactions work? Absolutely not. Why? Because it, when you make an application for government assistance, they're going to look at five years of your records and they have to be able to follow the money. In other words, when somebody says transparency, that means they have to be able to follow the money, follow what you've done with the money. So in other words, if you write a – check to, to let's just say uh, spectrum for your television and your phone and your internet and it's 200 bucks a month uh, and you write them a check for two hundred dollars or an electronic fund transfer however you, you know people do it these days that's perfectly fine uh, or let's just say you're paying them five hundred dollars a month it seems like that's how much they charge anyway but the the, the bottom line is is that um, that's perfectly fine. You can spend your money any way that you think is appropriate. But let's say instead of doing that, you go to the bank and get uh, $500 cash to pay your bill, and then you go down to the to their office and give them cash. Now, they'll accept cash, no, not a problem. However, guess what? At this point, the people trying to follow the money for your Medicaid application or your special assistance application, they don't know that you've actually paid your bill. They they will presume that you've given that $500 to a grandchild, and so they will sanction it and penalize you for using cash instead of paying your bills by check or electronic fund transfer. That's a big issue, and there are people that like to deal in cash. And unfortunately, it's really hard to get those folks eligible for assistance because government workers can't follow their cash transactions, and they presume that any cash transaction is for the benefit of your family and not paying bills or other, you know, doing otherwise. I mean, there are a lot of folks that'll go, go get a hundred dollars cash every few days so they can go to the grocery store and do things like that. And the bottom line is, that's not the way to do things uh, if you uh, know that you might need government assistance in a few years. So cash, you have to, you need to avoid cash transactions um, because they'll assume the worst, and and that's that's it. Now, there is another thing uh, that's really important to folks in terms of how they do things, in terms of folks who are um, potentially needing long-term care or the like. And here's, here's a biggie. Um, 
mom needs more care than just being at home by herself. She needs somebody around. So one of two things happens. Either she moves in with you or you move in with her, okay? And oftentimes there is an arrangement that's made, all right? And it's it's in the family, so rarely do people think about writing the agreement down. In other words, um, are we going to – sometimes a child even gives up a job to take care of mom and mom then says, okay, well, I'm going to pay you in order because you gave up your job to make sure I'm okay and I love you and I appreciate you and – and I'm going to make a gift to you every month to make sure that your ends can be met and the like. And, of course, um, um, I'm not even going to where is it taxable income or not. I mean most people would say, yes, that's taxable income, uh, particularly if you are providing services for which you're being paid. That's not the issue I'm talking about. The problem is, is that that agreement, inter-family agreement, um, is not in writing, okay? So guess what? If you apply for Medicaid because mom gets worse, daughter can't take care of her anymore, she has to go to a nursing home, and mom has paid the daughter $2,000 a month for the last you know, three years until she got too bad to where she couldn't be cared for at home anymore – Again, you have a problem, okay? And at this time, it's not a cash transaction. This time, you've, you've written a check every month for $2,000. But guess what? That's breaking the rules too because if you're paying any kind of payment to a child or grandchild, the presumption is, guess what? It's a sanctionable penalized transfer. And the only way to rebut that is to have an agreement in writing. In writing, folks, that means put down on paper <laughs> and signed. Uh, and, and so, and it it should be before the fact. And so, what I'm getting at is that when you have a a child or grandchild taking care of you, and you're making payments, whether you think about it as love and affection and their actual gifts or whatever, because it's it's the, the tit for tat, you know, they're doing stuff for you and you're doing stuff for them, which is the way most families work, mm-hmm. but it doesn't work for Medicaid. It doesn't work for special assistance. It doesn't work for these programs. So the bottom line is you have to have – it doesn't have to be formal. It doesn't have to be – you know, 20 pages long, but it has to be in writing where, yes, you're agreeing to take care of your loved one and the remuneration is coming back in some form or fashion the other way so that it is in writing. And if it's in writing, then there's no problem with Medicaid in terms of those payments having been made. Now, yes, it needs to be by check and not by cash for the same reason we talked about a few minutes ago. But the bottom line, it's really important that people have a written agreement to, you know, in order to do that. And just because it's family, it, it, now there's another issue that's really important as well, and another reason why something in writing can be very, very helpful. 
what if there's more than one child? You know, there are, let's say, four kids in the family. Three of them live out of state, and the one here is doing all the work, taking care of things. Well, again, there should be something in writing, and that's not only to protect the senior in the event that they can't, you know, they end up going to nursing care at some point or assisted living care, but it also protects the child who is providing the services uh, particularly, and because you'd be surprised how many of the other children feel like they're being taken advantage of, you know, that their inheritance is going away because their sibling is taking care of mom and taking advantage of us, you know, that sort of thing. They're not thinking about the fact that it takes a lot of love and affection and work to take care of a loved one, and there's a huge obligation that goes with it. And But, you know, oftentimes the siblings who are not doing it, they don't understand the dynamics, nor do they care. But they do care about their inheritance oftentimes. So it's a matter of how do you protect the your loved one on both sides, the the daughter or son who's doing the work and, and the, the uh, parent as well. Uh, and that can be done very well if it's done in writing. Uh, makes makes a big difference. Yeah, that, that's a very good piece of advice because I don't think most people think sit down and consider that when they're when they're in the moment there. But uh, we've got to take a quick break, and we'll be back with more asset protection today with attorney Bill Alexander on News Radio six eighty WPTF. Welcome back to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander on News Radio 680 WPTF. Jason Kong with Bill Alexander. And Bill, we've got some housekeeping we need to take care of. I want to remind mm-hmm. everyone that uh, bright and early tomorrow morning at 8 a.m. on the CW22, folks can catch you on TV with Money Secrets. This is a good way for folks to get more tips from you. Well, it's fun. I enjoy that too. And, and it is a good program there. I mean, I love this, this radio show. Uh, it's my favorite, but I do en- enjoy Money Secrets as well, and I do think we talk about topics that are helpful to folks. It's it's an important uh, – I mean, it's something that can help, and people can record it if they don't, you know, can't check it out at 8 o'clock on Sunday mornings. Yeah, it's it's a good show. It's, uh, uh, it's, it's set up very well. I appreciate that. Uh, I like that. some of the, the man-on-the-street things that you guys do. That's that's pretty cool. Thanks. Well, uh, I also want to remind folks on the, on the topic of Money Secrets, if uh, folks – enjoy the show they can also get uh, a book from you they can go online to amazon and buy the latest book from you and absolutely and money secrets with bill and mike and it's really uh, in in some ways the book's better than the show because <laughs> we go into more detail but uh yeah it, that's that's where that's a keeper as well Excellent. Go online to you can go to Amazon. It's Money Secrets with Bill and Mike. Uh, you can go ahead and purchase that as well. I want to remind everyone always you can go online to wgalaw.com. You can register for next month's free seminar that's on May 9th. Uh, you can get plenty of details there, or you can give Bill a call in the office at 919 256 7000. 919 256 7000. We are out of time. Thank you so much for listening. On behalf of Bill Alexander, I am Jason Kong. We hope you'll join us next Saturday for Asset Protection Today with Bill Alexander on News Radio 680 WPTF. <laughs>